Welcome to episode three of the podcast. Um, today we are going to talk about a topic that has always been really, really huge to me, which is niche versus low percentage. Um, and they are not the same thing. So the last episode of the podcast was on the North-South choke. There are a lot of people in the game that will say that the North-South choke is a low percentage technique. I believe this comes from a few things, right? It's difficult to do. It's got a high learning curve. It's only been in the U.S. It's only appeared in the past five years of the UFC, maybe you know, three or four times and in ADCC uh, in, in Abu Dhabi. I don't know if there's been one since 2010. So certainly in that regard, we don't see it very much. However, uh, I don't think this makes it low percentage at all. I think in a lot of the discourse and the conversation these days um, in combat sports, people are more than ever really focused on things that are high percentage and low percentage. And, you know, I almost think to the detriment of, of people's own development, they, they focus a lot on is something high percentage is something low percentage. And I think a lot of times things that are niche get confused and, and brought in when it's really not the most appropriate way to look at it, or maybe not the appropriate, maybe not the best word, but when it's not always the the most ideal way of looking at it. Uh, the North-South choke is very niche in that we don't see it attempted very much. When we do see it attempted, it tends to go fairly well. So I would, I would make an argument that the North-South choke is a high percentage technique, and but just one that we don't see very much. Um, it's important to keep this stuff in mind because a lot of people right now are putting a lot of techniques off to the wayside and, you know, not working on them all the time. You'll see posts on social media, um, Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, where people are, you know, People as, as, as early in the game as white belt and blue belt are saying, I only want to work on the highest percentage techniques. What's the stuff that won gold medal matches at Worlds last year? What's the stuff that won gold medal matches at ADCC last year? And I just, you know, it's important to, to make sure that we're working on stuff that's going to work, you know, at the upper belts once we get to, to brown belt, black belt we don't want to be working on stuff that's going to waste our time. At the same time, I think it's important to not hinder our possibilities so early. You know, there are people, admittedly they're outliers, but there are people like Eduardo Tellis, for example. Rule number one that we learn in jiu-jitsu is not to turn our backs to our uh, our opponents. Eduardo Tellis is a guy that, you know, built an entire career off of doing exactly that and mostly that. And um, while I'm not necessarily advocating that, you know, the average person do that, I do think that not closing ourselves off to very legitimate and awesome movements and techniques so early into our development 
I think it's important not to do that. Um, so the North-South Choke was a good, um, you know, entrance point to kind of talk about this. But the, the idea of niche and, and high percentage versus low percentage, you know, I would argue that they're, they're two different things. I had a, an interesting discussion recently. Uh, or, you know, some of these things, how do we even measure, right? So let's say that high percentage is the amount of times something gets attempted versus the amount of times it gets finished. Now, maybe something gets attempted um, 10 times and it gets finished uh, five, right? So that would, that would give it a 50% success rate. But would it really, right? So let's say that, you know, Lucas Laprie has the best knee cut pass of all time. Let's say Lucas Laprie needs five attempts on a knee cut pass to finish one. Were the other four that failed actually failures? I don't know. You know, maybe they had a psychological effect. You know, maybe he, maybe he threw them with the intention of wearing someone down. You know, maybe he wasn't as concerned about, you know, finishing the first two or three of them. And he, you know, was using them to open up, you know, submission opportunities when the person sets up their frames and makes their cross shoulder posts and, you know, starts to defend the position. It gives him other openings to, you know, back out and hit a leg drag. You know, let's say he does go in for a knee slice and, you know, he backs out and hits a leg drag pass. Well, the leg drag pass would get counted as the successful pass, but the knee slice set that up. So did it really fail? Um, I tend to think not. Uh, this is just the kind of thing to keep in mind when people look at stat sheets and, you know, when people look at statistics and they get very fixated on the numbers, it doesn't paint the whole picture, uh, in my opinion. And, um, yeah, that's just something that I think is really important to keep in mind. I've never been the kind of person that keeps track of everything I do after class. I've never been a spreadsheet guy. You know, one of my friends, Dave Porter, he keeps track of everything he does every class and, you know, how many times it succeeded and how many times it failed. There's a lot of people out there that, that are trending more that way these days. I, I think the uh, John Danaher and his team have really made people look a lot heavier into percentages. And if you're the type of person that's inclined to train this way, uh, one thing I would suggest when you're training after class if you do this kind of stuff is don't just think of it in terms of these binary conditions of did did this submission work or did it not or did this pass work or did it not did this sweep work or did it not you know you know maybe you try to butterfly hook sweep and they based out but you came up to a front headlock and then took the back I would count that as a successful hook sweep. I really would. Or at the very least, I wouldn't mark it down as an unsuccessful hook sweep. I, I think it got you a better position and therefore, it, you know, it counted for something. Um, so, you know, I don't really mark down things in that way when I train. Uh, maybe I should do that a little bit more. Um but if you do, maybe, you know, maybe there's a third category for, you know, um, if you don't want to mark it all the way as a successful 
sweep, pass, submission, etc. Maybe you want to mark it as something in between. You know, maybe there's a third category for in basketball, you know, like, you know, you have points, but you also have assists. Um, so maybe you didn't score the points yourself, but you contributed to the fact that they got scored. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think that there's room for more of that within uh, our sport, definitely at the hobbyist level. It's really important to keep in mind when we watch people competing at Worlds or ADCC or, you know, or WNO or all of these big events, um, even the UFC, it's important to keep in mind that these are extremely high-level athletes often training a very with a very specific game plan in mind and a very specific rule set against other competitors that are also doing the same thing. So things get very myopic and very uh, narrowly focused um, very quickly. And I just think it's you know, very important to make sure that we keep that in mind. You know, it's it's great to watch all these awesome athletes and awesome coaches and be inspired and, and have fuel to, you know, go in and, and train and be excited to level up and improve our games. Um, at the same time, just leave some room for creativity. And, you know, I think that there is uh, a lot to be said for having stuff that you enjoy practicing you know even if it's even if it is low percentage it's fun to do low percentage stuff sometimes and you know don't let your training become such a chore that you pass up fun things to work on you know it's like nutrition you know everybody's everybody needs to have the ability to have some some cheat meals and and cheat days and time to indulge you know just what you what you may want to enjoy, even if it's not the best thing. Um, and I think that's important. You know, most of the people listening to this are, are not, you know, professionals and full-timers. And I think that that's really, that's something that's allowed me to train for so many years so consistently is not, not taking um, everything so seriously all the time and making sure to leave room you know to be playful and have fun and do things that maybe aren't super high high percentage moves and you know to have fun uh with that aspect of the game too so it's just something to keep in mind um just make sure the next time that you hear somebody talk about something being low percentage just keep in mind are they you know are they really talking about percentages or are they talking about niche versus popular you know um if it's something that we don't see very much it doesn't mean that it's low percentage it may just be something that's you know it may just be something that's not trendy we do a very trendy sport and things go in and out of style and in and out of fashion very quickly and something can be i remember the z guard was not popular at all a few years ago and people said it was dead and suddenly Craig Jones comes out in 2017 at ADCC and he's hitting Z guard on Leandro Lowe and, you know, Marillo Santana and Chael Sonnen. And, you know, he's in Keenan Cornelius and he's Z guard is suddenly back, you know, um, 
and just keep in mind, you know, anything that you may be working on that, that maybe seems a little bit niche or off the radar, it's always one tournament away or one event away from being popular and trendy. So keep on the track you're on if you're doing something fun or niche. Um, thanks again for listening. Much love and appreciation to everybody. Have a lot of fun you know, training and definitely, you know, keep staying safe in these crazy times and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.